Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. 2.36 trillion dollars. What else we got for you here? Um, Public debt charges rose approximately 2.3 billion as the Bank of Canada added another half point rate hike a couple of days ago. And I love this one. Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon predicted, quote, some bumpy times ahead, end quote. Guess he's living okay. If he hasn't noticed anything so far, he's doing okay. So we want to talk about all of this and the 2023 economic projections for this country and for the world, and as well about uh, variables and what may or what likely will affect the economic performance of Canada, both nationally and provincially. Dr. Eric Cam is with us, professor of macroeconomics, Metropolitan University in Toronto, great favorite on this program. Dr. Cam, $2.36 trillion, really? Hi, Roy. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Uh, Not many people have that in their savings account. Of course, (laughs) luckily, they don't have to. But no, the numbers are staggering right now. I mean, they this this whole stagger notion started with the amount of money they printed and had to finance during the pandemic. And fairly everything you see flowing right now is in some way in part or parcel from that. I mean, you know, we're going to talk today about basically I hope to talk about where we are versus where we're going. And that's right. These numbers look astronomical, uh, but, you know, none of them are as astronomical as looking at the amount of dollars we put into circulation during the pandemic. And that really does explain much of where we are. And and I, I would caution your, your the good listenership. Some people who like to play contrarian say that it, the printing of money and the financing of debt during the pandemic has nothing to do with where we are. It is all about the supply chain. That is absolutely incorrect. It does have a little bit to do with the supply chain, but to ascribe it to anything other than a gross negligence of monetary policy is is really being folly, Roy. Okay, so let's talk about where we are. Explain to us, please, where we are and where you see us going as we bridge 2022 into 2023. Well, I think if we're going to play the where are we game, um, I think there's three things that we need to note. And so the first one is inflation. Everybody knows that we're touched by inflation. It's been, you know, it's been the overriding theme of 2022. And it peaked at about 8.1%. Right now we're down to about 6.9%. But that 8.1%, I mean, that's about a 40-year high in this country. And, you know, there's a bit of good news. It it has leveled off. As I said, we're down to about 6.9%. Now, much of that... Um, that decline can be explained easily through gas prices. So that's inflation. Interest rates, well, we started the year at 0.25% in terms of our key policy rate, and now we're at 4.25%. And that may not appear to be a huge increase. It is a gargantuan increase, Roy, an historically unprecedented increase for a calendar year. And then number three, I think the thing we have to talk about is recession. Because when you add up so many of these things, 
uh, and at least in this economist's opinion, my call for a recession coming is I can't envision a scenario where we see decades high inflation, low unemployment, tight labor markets, rising debt service, as you pointed out, and try to try to say that there's going to be some magic that keeps that from getting to the labor market eventually and gross domestic product eventually. So we'll take a break uh, and I'll take a breath and say that's where we are before we get to where we're going. So are we just uh, essentially, I mean publicly, the public, are we wandering around with the blinders on? We're just we're blissfully unaware of, let's just read you something else here. This is again from Equifax. You're aware of all this stuff, but I'm just reading it. Over the last quarter, almost 1.5 million new credit cards were issued. This is Canada, 1.5 million new credit cards, an increase of 22.5% from Q3 2021 and up 6.2% from the pre-pandemic period of Q3 2019. Credit card spending is at an all-time high when compared to the same period in previous years. For consumers with a credit card, average monthly credit card spend was almost $2,447 in quarter three, up by 17.3% compared to the third quarter in 2021. You, ha- I remember you very clearly stating, very clearly stating, when the, um, when the inflationary trend started to really take off, when interest rates were, were climbing dramatically, you, your advice was, Pay off your debts. Get, get your get your life um, under fiscal control. This is these numbers are uh, they're shocking to me. Just shocking. Yeah, they are shocking. And and I and I did preach that, and I still stand behind that. And I would even say these numbers are heartbreaking, Roy. And I'll tell you why. Credit card companies are a little bit like magicians. They don't tell you how the trick is done. What they do is they they post a rate, and that rate, by the way, is an egregious. 17 or 18 percent but when you actually do the math and i have my students do this and it blows them away the effective rate the actual rate on a credit card is closer to approximately 30 percent who on god's green earth can service their debt at a level of 30 percent it's unconscionable and it is it is it is it is criminal it is close to something the mob would have done and that's our credit card company so that essentially then becomes the godfather loan company well, it, it is the Godfather Loan Company. And so I guess if you want me to talk about where are we going yeah, please. for 2023, I first of all cannot believe it's going to be 2023, but that's another story. Um, I think three things that we have to look at. And of course, you brought up the first one with the credit cards. It costs a lot more today to carry debt, right? Higher interest rates mm-hmm. over the short and medium term make it so much harder for people to manage their borrowing costs. And that squeeze is going to lead directly to lower purchasing power for households. And I've stated before, the conference board says that in 2023, somebody earning, I think it was 50, could have been $60,000 a year, is going to have about $3,000 less money in their pocket. And that is only going to be uh, further compromised, as you said, as when we flip the calendar to 2023, if people are going to leverage all of their Christmas gifts on credit cards. So I beg people to be careful about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, I think employment is gonna be our big conversation for 2023. Low employment sounds wonderful right now. It sounds like a positive sign in the economy. The problem is, is that can only last for so long. We know what's going on with inflation and, and, and it's a good thing that it hasn't hit the labor market yet. But as I started our chat, it's folly to believe that it is never gonna hit the labor market, it is. And so the best that we can hope for 
is a moderate recession, not a strong recession. And then number three, which on our theme of what are people going to do, prices are rising much faster than real wages, much faster. In fact, latest wage data shows that well, our, our wages are averaging across the economy, across all uh, sectors, about 4%. They're rising at a maximum of about 4%. And those are very select industries. But inflation's gone from 8.1 to 6.9. So simply put, if you add up one, two, and three, you get an erosion of consumer wealth, which is going to lead to debt financing disasters. And so I do, if this is the last time we speak in 2022, Roy, I want people to keep an eye on their wallet, keep an eye on your Christmas spending. I know everybody wants to have a blast at the holidays, but that blast has a price. And if, you, or if you're going to attach 30%, to that price in terms of your credit cards. I just don't want to see people facing financial insolvency, Roy. Yeah. What's a moderate recession? <laughs> a recession that hurts somebody else. I mean, that's a, a, I, I'm joking and I don't mean to, but a moderate, first of all, a recession is when gross domestic product falls for two quarters in a row. Right. And, and I think that that's really what we're going to see in 2023, maybe 2024. I think the economy in terms of, of gross domestic product, which is the scoreboard we use, you and I like sports analogies, that's the final score at the end of the day. I think it is gonna take a dip for a couple of quarters, maybe three. But the economy has shown me some resilience that frankly, I didn't think it had. And so I don't think it's going to be more than a couple of quarters. And I don't think it's going to be to the depths anywhere near what happened in the 1970s and the 1980s. I think we're going to have downturns in the three, four percent range that are going to go for two or three quarters in a row. And that's not a positive outlook, but it's about the best that I have right now, because, you know, and I know that when it comes to the macro economy, something has to give Roy and eventually labor markets and gross domestic product have to give. The government brags about they don't care about monetary policy. Mm -hmm. That's unfortunate, but I care about homeowners and people trying to feed their kids. And recession is around the corner. And let's just hope that it's a modest recession, which I actually think it's going to be. So I had a brilliant question for you, but it's gone. So uh, what do you want to talk about? Well, you were going <laughs> to ask me about oh. what I would like to see in... 2023 in terms of the government and their yes, interaction. Yes, with the yes, yes. Thank you for having such a strong memory. So what can the government do to drive the economy forward instead of torpedo it? We've talked about that. And then can we sort of slide the Bank of Canada into this equation at the same time? You have to slide the Bank of Canada into the equation because you can't separate the two. It, it's ridiculous that people have been told that these are two independent organizations. They're one organization. They're just two branches of the same of the same plant. Um, so you asked me for for a couple of things that I would like to see. Yeah. Uh, number one, I'd like to say goodbye to the carbon tax. I'd like to say goodbye to any new taxes that do nothing other than punish consumers. I mean, everybody wants green grass and cleaner air, but there's no need to do any of that if you're without a home or unable to feed your family. Yeah. Growth, growth in economies uh, have shown for years that, you know, you use economic boom times to pay down debt and to bring in these greener initiatives, not when you're holding on for dear life, Roy. And trust me, nobody who walks by a $5.99 iceberg lettuce, nobody that walks by that and says, well, sorry, kids, no salad tonight is really worried about the green initiative. So that's number one for me. 
Number two, how about for kicks, we start taking advantage of our natural resources like oil and gas and be net producers and not consumers. I spend at least a couple lectures a year teaching a topic called comparative advantage and how we have one in natural resource production. And then students put up their hand and they go, we don't take advantage of that comparative advantage. And I say, no, we don't. You should really write your MP about that. Uh, number three, let's find let's stop finding new ways to reduce income for Canadians. Uh, it's not the time, as I said, for new taxes and new socialized programs. They sound great, and Jagmeet Singh can jump up and down and be proud of himself, but he's not doing anything of any value at all, and nor is he going to win an election. And number four is a little personal item I like to throw in, which is it's time to do some research into tiering the healthcare system. That is today the biggest drain. It's the biggest drain on our economy, believe it or not. The billions and billions of dollars that go into the healthcare system and the massive inefficiencies. We have to stop pretending that we can't have a private sector in the healthcare system. I mean, you can you can pretend and say we have to keep it out and the NDP do, but it's crumbling. It's crumbling under its own weight. And maybe it's time to actually help the system and do some research into how some other countries have tiered it and do it better. And then you want the Bank of Canada? Yep. Let's just let's help the poor Bank of Canada, Roy. They've been handed a big load of you know what and been told to fix it and fix it fast. There's no way to fix it fast. You can't look at the money that was printed during the reset uh, during the pandemic and ask them to bring down inflation in a matter of weeks. It's not going to take weeks. It's going to take years. And so for the Bank of Canada, and I like Mr. Polyev, but he's got to leave Tiff Macklem alone. He's doing the best he can do with the only tool he has. They're raising rates, spending is slowing down, and they're trying to walk on a knife edge between how do we bring down spending, bring down inflation without putting the economy into a huge recession. And so let's give them a degree of freedom to let them do their jobs. They, they proved for 40 years that they can do it. They can keep inflation low, but now they're challenged by things that were really no fault of their own. So let's give them a bit of a break. I'm glad you brought up healthcare because I don't know if you heard the first part of the show, but we spoke with uh, Dr. Catherine Smart, the past president of the Canadian Medical Association, and we brought up the issue that the premiers yesterday asked the federal government for more money. They want $28 billion. So they want they want more money, more money, more money. We're already putting more than $100 billion a year into our healthcare system. And I asked Dr. Smart about that, and she said, because my point is, if you don't have a plan, if you just want more money, you're just throwing the money into a hole. It's not it, without a plan, without a specific agenda, a specific direction for the money, you're going to accomplish nothing. And she agreed with that. And we really need to bring this healthcare situation under control, fiscally and otherwise as well, because we have 5 million Canadians with no family doctor. Ultimately, that's going to impact our economy, probably doing it right now. You know far better than I. There, the healthcare system is integrally, um, what's that word? Integrally uh, tied into our national economy. And in, what's the word? Help me out. It it's inextricably tied. I like that one. That's even better than the one I was looking for. But it's, it is it is all part of the big picture, isn't it? It's all, we have 10 seconds here. Wrap it up for 2022. We have to stop throwing money into bathtubs that don't have the stopper, Roy. And like that it. is the healthcare system. I like it. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.